If you would, this morning, turn with me to the Gospel according to John, chapter 17. Gospel according to John, chapter 17. The words that we're going to read today, really, it's tough for me to honestly stop anywhere in chapter 17. Uh, It's a prayer of Jesus's. And it's really, there's really no good stopping place at all. So what I'm going to do is just simply read the uh, first few verses here. And then we're going to um, sort of try to unpack some of this stuff <clears throat> that he's talking about here. It's a beautiful text here. If you've never read this, you really should. Uh, just for some context. This is Jesus' last night with His disciples. You remember this? when they? I mean, we're about to take communion, so we'll kind of go through that part of the liturgy. But... This is last night with his disciples. He knows that he's not going to be with them physically anymore. Not in this physical way. He's been with them for three years now. And so he's going to tell them some very important things. And this happens right between chapters really 14 through 17. And there's nothing like it in all the Bible, 14 through 17. Uh, actually, you get in 13... Instead of the Lord's Supper, He washes their feet because John already knows you know that they're doing the Supper. So He doesn't have to retell that. And then after that, if you look through 14, 15, 16, 17, it's all red. Look like somebody bled out on your page. If you have the red letter edition. If you don't, then it's just all black. But And He's speaking to them very important words. He's speaking to them very deep words. I mean, this is, this is honestly, this right here is where the doctrine of the Trinity comes from. 14 through 17 is ground zero on how we understand God. Because Jesus says some some really tough things like, I am going to the Father. I came from the Father. Now I'm going to the Father. He has sent me. Then He says, I must go because I'm going to send another who is the Spirit. And He won't come if I don't go. So I must go so that He can come. And, and, And here in... 14 through 17, you have some of the, the most important things that we describe the Holy Spirit as said by Jesus. All on the last night. All on this one long night with His disciples. So we pick up at the tail end, and He's through sort of telling them about things. Now He says, you know what, I want to pray for you. This is, this is really the last full prayer of Jesus we have before He dies. And so it, it's hard for me to just say, oh yeah, we're going to read, um, you know, Five verses of of this an amazing prayer. It really, you know, but nonetheless, we're going to read the first five verses of this prayer. Notice what he says here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. And Lord, as we talk about Holiness, communion, salvation, 
these big ideas that we pull right from the Scriptures, Lord, would You give us Your grace, not just to understand, but to encounter today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the common mistakes in people's theology that I've noticed, at least in America and the West, is that we like to make salvation transactional. Like a business deal, you know. I do this, and you do that. Once I sign on the dotted line, it's all good to go. We're done here. The problem with that is, the Scripture doesn't give us only that kind of language. Now, granted, there is that covenantal language, isn't it? There are transactional languages in the Bible, but the question becomes this for us when we want to know who God is, who this holy God is who calls us to be holy like Himself. We have to ask, what is the deepest way, the most important way, that God reveals Himself. Is it a businessman? Is it king? Or father? Or husband? And I think the latter two are going to pull more weight on this relationship that we have with God. They show up all over the Old Testament. All over the New Testament. It is the one word that Jesus Himself calls God is Father. And then He encourages us to call Him Father. Abba even. Daddy. You see... Christianity is not like the other religions of the world. It's not. I've looked. I've checked. I've read. I've searched. Now, and that doesn't mean that you know my search is exhaustive. If you would like to be on a search, I can kind of help guide some of that if you would like. But here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that in the other world's religions, it's about mankind's search for the divine for salvation, and it is all in what we do. What you find when you come to the Scriptures is that God is seeking after us. We're over in the bush hiding. Not only from Him, but from one another. Like our first parents, right? When they sin... God creates them good. God creates them perfect. And yet, over an issue of food and disobedience and a little bit of trickery, they believe a lie and not the truth. Do not eat of this tree or else you will die. And the serpent comes along and says, you surely won't die. And he still breathes out That same lie today. You won't die. No. This is the right way. Not His way, but your way. You see, 
To put it simply, Christianity is a relationship with a person. Not a transaction. When you relate to that person, you are saved. When you don't relate to that person, you are not saved. Because the Scripture tells us only in the name of Jesus is there salvation. You could rephrase it to say only in the person of Jesus is there salvation. What does John say here? It was a verse that once I read it, um, you know, a week ago, what, how many years did I say it was? 17? 17 years ago, when I was 17 years old, when I came across this verse, it's very simple, and yet it changed. This, word, this verse here is at the... If you, could, if you could see the superstructure that makes up my mind, this verse is at, the, is at ground zero. It's the foundation. And this is eternal life. This is salvation. This is life that exists forever. This is God's life. This is triune life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Did you you catch that? Salvation. What it means to be a Christian. Let's just let all the other things fall away real quick. It's about knowing Jesus. You know Him, you're saved. You don't know Him, you're not saved. It's that simple. And yet, what has happened to us? What's wrong with us? If it really is as simple as not eating of the tree... If it's really as simple as knowing His commands and doing them, loving Him, why don't we do that? There's something called sin. And sin separates us from God just like it did in the beginning. Genesis 3 should always be in the back of your mind of the way you do your theology, the way you put your world together. They sin against God and they go and they hide. They even hide from each other. Then they start blaming one another. You see, the garden that God had created for them, this this fruitful garden had now become a scary jungle. They no longer were trustful but distrustful of God. They tried to hide from Him. You remember? But guess who comes looking for them? Do they go looking for God? No, God comes looking for us. Where are you? To me, it's the question that resounds throughout all eternity. Where are you? Where are you? Do you know God? Or are you hiding from God? Hiding in your sin or selfishness. The human became inhumane. Paradise was lost. And the one person who could save starts his mission to save. God comes walking through the garden. Where are you? Well, we kind of messed up. 
Yeah. Well, why are you hiding? See, now we don't trust God. Sin brings us to a place where we can't see. Sin will take us further than we ever wanted to go. It'll make us pay more than we ever wanted to pay. And it'll make us stay longer than we ever wanted to stay. It is a trap. It is a lie. And the road leads to hell. Which the Scripture actually says was created for Satan and his demons. But when we join, when we reject, when we don't trust, when we don't know, when we don't love, when we turn our face away from life, how could we have life? It's not a transaction. It's a person. Jessica and I have been married for 12 years. And we'll be celebrating 13? No, celebrating 12. Celebrating 12. See, I knew that wasn't right. We've been married 11 years, and in May we'll be married 12 years. There you go. So uh, we'll be married 12 years in May. And you know what? Um, What's most important in our marriage is not that legal contract that a judge had to sign and that my dad and another pastor signed. What's most important is not this business part of our marriage. It's knowing one another. It's loving one another. Christianity is a relationship. It's a marriage. In Revelations is where at the very end, I mean some of the last words in the entire Bible, you would think they would be pretty important. Some of the last words says, the Spirit and the Bride say, come Lord Jesus. And it's repeated. The Spirit and the Bride say, come Lord Jesus. Did you catch that? The Spirit in us which makes us the bride of Christ. We're waiting for our groom to come get us. This is what we're talking about when we say salvation is found in no other than Christ. We are to be married to Him. Receive His grace. Receive His love. And yet, we turn inward, don't we? We turn away. We cover ourselves. And there is no receiving when you turn away. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force Himself upon you. That's why in Revelation He stands at the door. We read that last week. We read it again today. He stands at the door and He knocks. He's not going to kick it down. One of the best descriptions for sin that we can have is that it is a heart curved in on itself. It's, you know, you've seen the enemy. The enemy is me, myself, and I. Diametrically opposed to a holy trinity of self-giving love. Father, Son, and Spirit. But now, it's about me. And isn't all sin about me? Didn't Adam and Eve's life become about them 
No, it was her fault. It was his fault. It was its fault. Serpent. When are we going to do what the Scripture says and confess our sins and repent, which, by the way, means to turn away, this time to turn away from sin, not from God. When they take of the fruit, they turn away from God. When we confess our sins and repent, we turn away from sin and to the face of God, to the very presence of God. You see, here is sort of the secret about Christianity. It is cult, not just taught. Amen. It's true. This is how I began the whole worldview session with those students over the weekend. I said, you know what? We could get in here and I could teach you about some stuff, but that's not the way this works. You've got to meet this person. If you want your view of the world to be Jesus' view of the world, you've got to meet Him. I can't teach you that. Any more than I could teach. it would be like me saying, oh yeah, you, you should uh, get to know Jessica, so let me just teach you about her. No, there's a very different thing. I mean, I could probably, I guess I could teach a class about her. Yeah, for 12 years, I think I probably could. Um, you know, I could school you in that. But when you met her, you know what? Those words would fall away, wouldn't they? You ever, I mean, you ever had that happen before? You ever studied something? I mean, I remember studying Hinduism before I went to India. When I get to India, my whole world changed. It's very different to see something, to encounter that person in light of the teaching. No, no, no. Christianity is called, not just taught. You can never just teach your way or understand your way into salvation. It's about a person, not just about an idea. And so, C.S. Lewis says, it's like a good infection. I mean, you know how you get infections, right? Oh, yeah, nice to meet you. Right? You put it in your mouth. It's contagious, right? And C.S. Lewis says, you know what? That's how relationship with Jesus works. You have to get in proximity to Him. When you do eternal life. When you don't, there is no other alternative but to wither and die because there's only life in Him. It's like a waterfall. His grace. You ever been around a waterfall before, you know? Like a big waterfall. If you're even getting near it, you're going to get soaked. Yeah, that's the point. Grace You get near it, you get soaked. You get under His grace. If you're away from the waterfall, if you have your umbrellas up, raincoats on, protecting, living like this. It's funny, the way that they prevent, uh, you know, sometimes the forest, uh, U.S. Forest Department or whatever, they will burn certain, you know, underbrush. The way they stop the fire is to just simply dig a little hole and just remove some of the brush. Sometimes it's as big as a bulldozer. Other times I've done it before where I burned some stuff at my other house and I just probably, you know, 12 inches that I dug around where I didn't want it to burn. And you know what? It stops. 
Why? Because of proximity. That's why. You ever seen one of those coals that get outside of the fire? I mean, it's burning hot. I mean, it's one of those, it's got the fire in it, but when it gets out and away, it dies. Interesting of what was said earlier, I oftentimes respond back just simply, yeah, we don't lose salvation as if I lost my keys. Oh, no. No, no. But the wages of sin is death. Apparently, that doesn't change when you are saved. If it did, then we could just, woohoo, let's keep going. No, no, no. It will kill you spiritually. Didn't we see this with David? David says, Restore unto me the joy of salvation. I've been without it. Cast me not from your presence, O Lord. Presence. Again, relationship. His relation to God. (laughs) Psalm 51, if you ever need a prayer for repentance, is it. That is the model. Prayer is the way forward in holiness. If we want to be holy, like God is holy, we must pray. It is our wireless communication to Him. We all have wireless communication, right? I got mine right here. You got yours? Well, our praying just as much, just as, just as close as your phone should be to you, most of you would feel naked without your phone. Well, you should feel naked without prayer, prayer in your life. You should feel like I can't leave without it. You say, "Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just kind of too busy." You know, sort of. There, there's this uh, neat analogy that I ran across, and I'm going to share with you. Uh, I used to have a phone back in college. Now that was, you know. That's quite. A, that was in the '90s. You know what I mean? Like that was when cell phones and stuff were just starting to blow up. People still had like huge car phones and stuff in their car. And I had just got this cell phone, and I was pretty excited about it. It did two things: it called people and it texted people. That was it. You couldn't go online. You couldn't. I mean, you. You maybe you remember if you had a phone like that. It didn't do it. But you know what was neat about it? That's not with smartphones is that the battery would last for days. I mean, I'll probably charge that thing maybe twice a week, maybe. You know what I mean? Because it just it wasn't doing much. The government wasn't listening in and all that kind of stuff all the time or following where you go and this sort of thing. It was just, it was just a phone that you called people on and texted people on. Um, but when we got these smartphones, they use up a lot of energy, a lot of, 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 of just battery life. And you have to plug them in all the time. You see my point? You say you're busy. You say you're being used a lot. You say you're releasing a lot of energy from week to week. Then it's all the more reason to be plugged into the source of life Himself, Jesus. You're too busy not to pray is the reality. We will wither without communication with the source. And so this morning, this is simple. We're not trying to complicate things. But I wonder if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you something that may be complicated, and that is saying yes. Getting up and answering the door. Inviting this lover in. 
Because you're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to open your life, not close it. Our knee-jerk reaction is to close it off. I mean, when people need help with depression or anger, we close it up, don't we? We hide it. We tuck it in. Don't we? Instead of going and getting help from others. Just like this morning, I wanted to hide the fact that I was sort of spent and, you know, just, I don't know, down. Um, But I told Jessica, she was praying. And other people knew already. And they were praying. That's how the body of Christ works. I love that. That's how the Spirit encouraged me this morning. Do you need that kind of encouragement in your own life? Is it time to get near the waterfall to actually get consumed in this fire and stop being on the, on the margins? I think it is. Today, the Scripture says, is the time for salvation. Today. Do not cut yourself off from life Himself. Instead, connect into the source through prayer. We're going to take communion where we put the body of Christ in us. Where we put His blood of the new covenant in us. Something very physical and yet spiritual. Something that communicates grace to us. This is His way. He could have chosen another. He chose this way. One of the last things He left for His disciples to do. If you're a disciple, you're invited to do the same thing. To put it in you. The rest of this prayer is all about, Father, I pray that they are in us as I am in you and you are in me. There's a lot of coherence. To use a word that uh, Charles William, who was a friend of Tolkien, also of Lewis, one of the Inklings, real quick, uh, used. Beautiful, beautiful word. You don't have to understand it all. Jesus doesn't say, take and understand, because I still don't understand the full weight of what he's laid out. His, his sal- I don't understand Jessica. I really don't. I don't understand you. Sometimes you you surprise me. Sometimes you flabbergast me, right? My kids do sometimes. It's an awesome thing. That's what makes relationships interesting. That's what makes God interesting. It makes Him inexhaustible. Persons are inexhaustible. I love seeing... I can can point right now if I want to bad. People who are falling in love with Jesus... And, it, and they're bearing fruit in God's kingdom and in His church right now. And I want to say, look at that! Amen. That is all, that's contagious. When I see people growing in Christ, it makes me want to grow in Christ. We're never finished. This, that'd be like saying you're finished with marriage. It'd be like saying you're finished with your grandparents. No, relationships never end because they're based on love, which never ends. God is love. And if we're going to be saved, we must be found in Him. And Him in us. Let's go to Him.
and receive Him by repenting and trusting Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our body, everything. Amen.